This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. New research has shown this week that nearly two-thirds of Aussie kids will outgrow their food allergy by their fourth birthday. Good news if you're one of the parents amongst us that do have to deal with allergies and the ramifications of that. But the same research also showed that the majority of Australian adults, we don't know the signs and symptoms of a severe allergy reaction to food. Not good, given the amount of kids that do have allergies. Dr Katie Allen explained to us what are the signs and symptoms? I always say it's not particularly rocket science because the parents come to see us and they describe that their child just had first bite of a peanut butter sandwich, their face blows up, they've got highs all over their body, you know, welts all over their body and they start to cough and wheeze. I think they're allergic to peanut butter, doctor. Yeah, yep, that mm. sounds right. So there's the, the sort of two types of food allergies. There's the immediate reaction, which I've just described, which sort of looks like you know, you've been stunned by a nasty bee or something um, and you've just eaten the food. And then there's the intolerances. And so we know a lot about the immediate reactions. They're very easy to diagnose. They're very easy to recognise and they're extremely easy to manage, really. But the intolerances are much more complicated and, and, and most people struggle with those. So how do you detect if your child does have an intolerance then? So intolerances are reactions that may not be as as clearly um, obvious. The child might have the food in their diet. They may uh, notice some symptoms related to the gut, so some vomiting or some um, bloating or some diarrhoea or the child is miserable. Um, And so when the child's older, it's easier because they can say, I've got tummy pain or I've got, you know, I feel sick. Mm. Um, But when they're babies, it's a bit more difficult. But in general, for the intolerances, we say the best thing to do is try taking the particular food you think is a problem out of your diet for two weeks, uh, see if those symptoms resolve. But then the most important thing is try putting it back in again, put it in slowly. But if you put it back in and get the same symptoms again, uh, reproducibly, then it's time to go and see a doctor. But we also recommend don't do that across a whole lot of different foods at once. Just Mm. do one food at a time and then put it back in because most people make the mistake of saying, oh, I feel better if I don't eat X. Um, and then they don't actually test to see whether X was actually making them feel better or just passing of time. For instance, I've got an intolerance to salicylic acid, which is found in a bunch of spicy foods and fruits as well, and it it took a long time for me to work that out. Is there a a likelihood that my children will have the same kind of intolerances as I do? Well, things tend to run in families in intolerances, but probably more because parents who have a diet and often, like you, have spent ages working it out, they're more aware and so it may well be that you'd be better at saying look this is what you would do so it's handing on that corporate knowledge within your family I suppose so we don't really have a lot of evidence that they they run strongly in families um, they run moderately strongly in families and there was news earlier this week that once a child reach the, reaches the ages of four they can grow out of an allergy do you think there's there's truth in that can our kids and even as adults can we outgrow those allergies Absolutely. So we're starting to understand that the microbiome, the gut bugs that we all carry, um, modulate or change in reaction to training the immune system. So what we're starting to understand is that there are opportunities for tolerance to develop when someone's already been intolerant or they've already been allergic. So what we described in that study of 5,300 children is that early onset Uh, egg and cow's milk allergy um, are quite likely to be resolved with time. About 80% of children have grown out of it by age four. And this is for the immediate, you know, acute allergic reactions I was talking about, like the bee stings, the Mm. ones at risk of anaphylaxis. But unfortunately, the nut allergic kids, um, only about 20% of them outgrow it by age four. And that's why we all hear so much about nut allergies, 
because they're more likely to persist, they're more likely to be lifelong, and they're also more likely to cause, unfortunately, cause death from anaphylaxis. So that's why people are so frightened about the nut allergies, um, appropriately so, but it's also why we're so excited about the fact that there are now some real um, treatment therapies uh, on the horizon. So vaccines and old therapies that are becoming available or are being tested and hopefully will be available in the next few years. Okay, let's talk brass tacks for a second right now, Katie. <laughs> We've danced around the bush, but what about for a 37-year-old male who struggles from uh, hay fever and allergies? What kind of cultivation do I need to get going on in my gut so I don't have these allergies? Well, it is a $64 million question, and I have to say you <laughs> and the rest of the community are interested in it, but also anyone who wants to make money, this is the place to go, and uh, there's a whole lot of researchers lining up to try and get a Nobel Prize about it. I mean, 40 to 50% of the community have these allergy problems. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't go and see a doctor. You know, they feel like they can't manage it. It's just a low-level annoyance for some people, a nuisance for others. It can be really, really debilitating for some people as well. So there's the full spectrum. But when it comes to gut microbiome, we're still struggling to know which particular bug is the best. And the reason for that is there are 10 times more bugs in your intestine there than there are people on this planet. Wow. So people sort of say, well, we, like, uh, we think blondes are better. Um, and then someone else comes out and says, well, actually, the red-haired people are better. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of opinion. There's not a lot of evidence at the moment. So we do have to strip it back to common sense. You know, fresh fruit and veggies, I know I sound like I'm going on, but fresh fruit and veggies, trying to make sure that you're, you're eating a wide variety of foods that are not necessarily packaged. Mm. They've probably got a better microbiome themselves. I mean, the fruit and vegetables that we get now, they've often been sanitized and sprayed, but if you get fresh fruit and veggies off the tree, it'll have microbiome itself affiliated with it. And so you're probably eating a whole lot of good bugs when you eat fresh fruit and veggies. It's great advice. Dr. Katie Allen, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. That is Dr. Katie Allen from the Murdoch Children's Research Institute. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.